Police have identified more victims and plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Confirm earlier reports of cannibalism. The building was a scene of ghoulish slaughter. A large kettle on the stove which held boiled body parts. Identified more victims. Killed even more. Plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Had sex with some of his victims before he killed them, and that he was also a necrophiliac. You are now listening to Grinding True Crimes with your host, Maddie Matt, Todd Fox, and Gabby Gab. To another episode of Grinding True Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, along with our narrator for today, Gabby Gabby, and uh, the host of the show, Todd Fox. And we are here live breaking down another episode. But before we get into that, let me let you guys know where y'all can find us. Look us up on our uh, Facebook page, as well as our Instagram page, The Grinding True Crime Podcast. You can also listen to us on iHeartRadio, iTunes, Podbeam, all those good sources. Just look up The Grinding True Crime Podcast. So there's your, that's where you can find us. Todd, take it away from here. Oh, I just wanted to uh, once again reiterate that Gabby will be telling the story today, and she has warned both of us that this one is pretty violent and listener discretion is advised. So any youngsters stay away from them headphones. Take it away, Gabby. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, guys. So this one is a pretty disturbing one. I've heard of him before, but I had never really read the whole story as I did now. Okay. Um, His name is Jeffrey Dahmer. I don't know if you guys have heard of him. I have no idea. (laughs) Maddie's the one I've heard of him. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I am blind in this one, as usual, but go ahead. Okay, well, Jeffrey Dahmer was known as the Milwaukee Cannibal or Milwaukee Monster. Ooh. And you're going to find out why. Okay. So, Peace. it's a pretty long story. There might be a few parts on this. I'm not sure. We'll, we'll figure that out. But I'll start with his life story. So, he was born on May 21st, 1960. Okay. And as I told you, he was known as Milwaukee Cannibal, Milwaukee Monster. He was an American serial. I'm not going to tell you exactly the things that he did until I go one by one on his story. All right. But talking about his childhood, um, he was one of the first two sons of Joyce Annette Flint. But of course, her last name's Dahmer because of her husband, Lionel Herbert Dahmer. So they were German and Welsh. Uh oh. <laughs> My people. So, what, what... Yeah, your people, Todd. <laughs> no. And at least it's not another November. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, when he was little, um, it was claimed. It's funny because I found his story on two separate sources and they kind of word it differently. On one, they're saying that he was a pretty happy kid up until four when he had surgery for a double. Um, a double hernia and that's when personality started changing but the other source that gave me more details about it um it mentioned that he was deprived of attention as an infant but they suggest he was uh generally doted as an infant and toddler by both parents although his mother was tense greedy for attention and pity and she was very argumentative with her husband and the neighbors well there you go So the mom didn't seem to be a very good example. I think she had her own issues. So when he entered first grade, 
um, he spent a lot of time in bed recovering from weakness. And um, Lionel's the dad, the university studies kept him away from home much of the time. So when he was home, his wife, who was a hypochondriac, she suffered from depression and she wanted constant attention. She worked herself into like anxiety um, just to, or um, her anxiety was over trivial matters just so she can appease her husband. So he can pay attention to her. Jeez. So she did attempt suicide with Equinil and consequently neither parent really gave much time to Jeffrey. So he was uh, pretty much, didn't have much attention at home then? No. So it was known that in spite of that, he was energetic and happy, but a double hernia situation shortly after his, or before his fourth birthday is what really affected him. And they recall that he had extreme tension arguments his parents did during his early years. And so he became quiet and timid. And one teacher said he felt that, she felt that he was neglected because of the mother's illnesses. But he did have a small number of friends for some time, but he was mostly known for not really having friends and being very solitary. Oh, wow. Yeah, he did have an interest in dead animals. That's something that started from That's, how, like that. <laughs> mm-hmm. That's how it starts. There you go. <laughs> yeah, right? Death. So he collected insects like dragonflies and butterflies in jars and then carcasses that he would find on the roadside. Oh. Ooh. He would dismember those animals, either at home or in the woodland. And according to one of his friends, he dismembered these animals and stored the parts in jars. So in the they were already dead, shed. but he was still dismembering yeah. them. He would like dissect them. So and he it, said he was curious as to how what? animals fit together. He was curious. Oh, okay. Because, yeah, that's, that's weird for him to be putting putting them in jars that young you know like wow yeah <laughs> this one's weird it says he decapitated the carcass of a dog before he nailed the body to a tree and impaling the skull on a stake beside a wooden cross in the woods near his house well there you have it ladies and gentlemen so <laughs> that was the first nasty thing he did did anyone else my question to that because I do know the story, but like this stuff's kind of throwing me for a, a curveball. But did anybody say anything, or was this stuff that he admitted to later, or am I jumping ahead? I mean, like, like the um, this must have that? been things that he had admitted later, or probably once they talked to people that knew him. Oh, okay, okay. But the information doesn't specify when exactly that came out. I was gonna say, if my daughter so, had killed a dog to a tree, I'd be like, uh, I think we should go to the psychiatrist. <laughs> At least yeah, we got we got to take this one. <laughs> Let's go to the doctor. Yeah, because yeah, that that fascination with the animals began when he was little. He was only four Jesus. when his father saw him removing animal bones. So yeah, his parents saw this, and oh. they didn't take him to the doctor. According to the dad, he was oddly thrilled. Well, there you go. What? Yeah, Dahmer Dahmer was oddly thrilled by the sounds of the bones made and he became very preoccupied with animal bones so he would search beneath around the family house for additional bones and he explored the bodies of live animals to discover where their bones were located what look so this, the dad knew 
this is early in the story, but already I'm throwing shade on the mom because if they give him the, the attention, maybe he's not the bone collector. <laughs> Man, he didn't want to play baseball. Like, <laughs> and that's not it's interesting. You'll find out more about that right All now. All right, this is very interesting. This is very- so they moved. They moved in 1966, okay. and Joyce gave birth in December. And Jeffrey was allowed to choose the name of his baby brother, and he chose the name David. And then the same year, the dad earned his degree, and he used to work as an analytical chemist. Okay. So in 1968, the family moved again to Bath Township, Ohio. Two years later, during the chicken dinner, Domo asked the dad what would happen if the chicken bones were placed in bleach. <gasps> The dad, pleased by his curiosity, demonstrated how to safely bleach and preserve animal bones. What? Wow. And so Dahmer incorporated the techniques his dad showed him into his bone collection. Like father, like son. Yeah, so there's, I mean, I see two, I see signs from the mom and the dad. I see you're appalled over there, Todd. I'm (laughs) shocked. Like, I didn't know this part of the story. I mean... Yikes. I mean, I, I understand how the dad would show he is a chemist, but at the same time, it's like, if your child's curious about things like that, that's that's a bit of a red flag. I'm not sure you want to teach him that. Yes. Oh, man. I totally agree. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Carry on. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to put all this together, how this is like just written off as, oh, boys will be boys. You know, like, I yeah, think, right. Matt's right. I mean, I would have given him a be- baseball bat and a, a glove and said, hey, go at it. Go play some sports. Don't collect bones. <laughs> I told my dad at a young age, hey, dad, how can I preserve these chicken bones? You know, I guarantee you. He gonna whoop me if I ask the question. Like that. <laughs> oh my Jesus. god! So now as an adolescent, um, his freshman year, he was more of an outcast already. Okay. At fourteen, he started drinking beer and hard alcohol in school, and he told a classmate that was his medicine. Wow. So he didn't communicate much in his freshman year. He was seen by as polite and highly intelligent with average grades. And he was a keen tennis player. He played briefly in high school in mm-hmm. band. When he reached puberty, he discovered he was gay, but he did not tell his parents. What? And in his early teens, he had a relationship with another boy, although they never had sex. But... Later, that mission of dominating, he began to fantasize about dominating and controlling a completely submissive male partner. And they became intertwined with dissection somehow. Oh. His fantasies. Oh. So when he was about 16, he conceived a fantasy of rendering unconscious particular male jogger he found attractive and making sexual use of his body. Wow. So on one occasion... He concealed himself in the bushes with a baseball bat. Well, there you go. To lay and wait for the guy, for the runner. Mm-hmm. But he did not pass by that day. So Dahmer later had said that this was his first attempt to attack somebody. So he already had the, atten- the intention at 16. I'd have been like, boy, that is not what you use the baseball bat for. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, so, okay. So, okay. I knew he was, he had gay feelings and whatnot. And, and he had those, the tendencies. But I did not know that he carried on a relationship. And then my thing is, how do you jump from just being a homosexual, gay, whatever you want to call it, 
to I need to dismember as being part of the sexual experience. I mean, if he still hasn't had sex at that point, how do you? I don't know, man. I'm lost. I'm well, lost. maybe, maybe, maybe from his childhood days when he would dismember the the animals, he probably got a sensation out of that. And as, and now that he's grown up, he wants to, uh, you know, advance his sensation as well as sexual sensation. You know, what I'm saying probably combine the two. You know what? You're probably right. That's a good point. Okay. Yeah, he probably that that feeling of pleasure he got with the whole dismemberment of the animals and stuff. He might have realized that when he grew up sexually, it was the same kind of pleasure. So Oof. they both went along with each other. Oof. For him, wow. I mean, that's creepy, but that's nice. it's very creepy. So he was regarded as a loner and an oddball mm -hmm. among his peers. So he became some type of class clown who staged pranks and became known as doing a Dahmer. <laughs> that meant bleeding and stimulating epileptic seizures and cere cerebral palsy at school. And wow. in local what? stores. Wow. What? Yeah. So he just started acting like he had issues. Well, I mean, clearly he did. But he, he not those kind of issues. Oh, okay. Just to make people laugh. That, okay, having a seizure makes people laugh? I mean, I don't know about Apparently. That's not my I don't know about that one. <laughs> Wait. Uh, I mean, these are the 70s and people aren't well informed, you know, they would just make fun of disabled people. So I can see how people would find it hilarious. I, you know what? Now that you think about yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. In today's, in today's world, you'd be on TikTok or or you'd be on Instagram as a jerk or something. <laughs> Back then, you're all. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If you yeah. did that, you'll get jumped. Oh, yeah. 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 So by 1977, his grades were bad already. His parents hired a tutor, you know, to help him. And that same year, they were attempting to save their marriage because they were having issues. They were going to counseling and stuff, but they would always fight. So when his dad found out that his mom had a brief affair in 1977, they decided to divorce. Mm. So they told the sons they wanted to do it in a good way, you know, not in a fight. So the dad moved out of the house in early 1978. And that's when he graduated from high school. That's when Jeffrey graduated. So a few weeks before his graduation, his teacher observed that he was sitting close to a parking lot drinking several cans of beer. When the teacher threatened to report him, he told him that he was experiencing a lot of problems at home and that the school's guidance counselor was aware of all that. So Joyce and David moved out of family home and they went with relatives and Dahmer turned 18 and remained in the family home but his parents' divorce was finalized in July 24, 1978. And she was awarded custody of her younger son, Moni. So wow. he didn't go home. He stayed with his dad. Well, I would think so. So he, he she, got she got custody of the young one. Okay. So now I'm going to get into his late and early 20s. And this is when it all began. Here yeah. we go. Well, wait, one, one more so question. So he committed his... Uh-huh. I'm sorry, Gabby. Um, one other okay. question. I don't know if you have any information on it because I haven't heard too much of anything about his brother until later in life. But were they ever mm -hmm. close when they were living together? Do you know? No. Yeah, because I, I, I didn't hear, find anything about that. Okay. Okay. Sorry about that. Jeffrey was pretty solitary. It's more about him with his dad and then later on his stepmom as well because his dad does remarry. Oh, okay. Okay. Gotcha. So his first murder happened in 1978, once he was out of high school. Wow. Three weeks after his graduation. So in 
So he was living a home in, I mean a home, <laughs> alone in the family home. Mm-hmm. And following the divorce, um, the dad temporarily lived in a nearby motel and Joyce had relocated to another area and she went to Wisconsin with the younger brother. So on June 18, Jeffrey picked up a hitchhiker named Stephen Mark Hicks, who was almost 19 years old. He lured him into his house on the pretext of two young men drinking alcohol together. And he who had been hiking to a rock concert agreed to accompany him to his house. So according to Dahmer, after several hours of drinking and listening to music, Hicks wanted to leave already, but Jeffrey didn't want him to. Hmm. So in response, he bludgeoned Hicks with a 10 pound dumbbell. He later stated that he struck Hicks twice from behind with a dumbbell as Hicks sat up on the chair. And then when he fell unconscious, Dahmer strangled him to death with a bar of a dumbbell. Wow. Then he stripped his clothes his body before masturbating as he stood above the corpse. And the following day, he dissected his body in the basement and buried the remains in a shallow grave in the backyard. Several weeks later, he unearthed the remains and he pared the flesh from the bones. So imagine he's there with a potato peeler taking off the skin from the bones. Oh, that's nasty. Yep. He dissolved the flesh in acid before flushing the solution down the toilet. And then he crushed the bones with a sledgehammer and scattered them in the woodland behind the family home. What the? So that was his first murder. So the poor kid just- That's pretty disgusting. Yeah, that's nasty because the poor kid went in there for a beer or whatever. Different times, I get it. And then he just got murdered and then he just hacked Oh, the potato. Oh, that's nasty. Killed yeah. his skin? Yep. Oh. I mean, on the plus side, the guy was already dead, but that's still a pretty disgusting thing to do. What a mess. Like, extremely disgusting. That don't freak you out? Like, ugh. That's gross. And that's and that's his first kill. I mean, it's so it's not yeah. like I practiced or something like that. That's a lot of flesh. That's a lot of... Oh, God, dude. Ooh. Ugh. Yep. So that was the first one. After um, six weeks after the murder, his dad and the fiance returned to their home where they discovered him living alone at the house. So he enrolled to college, to the university, hoping to major in business. Um, He didn't make it through it. He only made it through three months of the college, although his dad had already paid for the second semester. But his GPA was only 0.45 out of 4.0. Oh, what? wow. Whoa. So the, the dad had visited him at college one time, and he saw that there was a lot of liquor bottles, you know? Yeah, yeah. So although he, he figured already his son already had an issue. So he only lasted three months and dropped out. In January of 1979, the dad insisted that he would enlist in the Army, and he did. He was sent to West Germany, where he served as a combat medic in 2nd Battalion. <laughs> how do you trust okay. a, how do you trust a candidate yeah, right? to save your life? <laughs> right? So according to the reports, his first year of service, he was an average or slightly above average soldier. So he was doing okay. He was doing good. Really? Okay. But two soldiers um, attested to being raped by him 
in the <laughs> army. One stated, and this is ahead, but I mean, this comes, you know, it's just what they said. It's not part of his history. Mm-hmm. So one stated in 2010 that he repeatedly raped him over a 17 month period what the? while they were stationed in bomb holder. Bomb holder. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! I didn't realize that until you say it. He's like, he's like, uh, officer, we're gonna take this literally. <laughs> wow. That's a Beavis and Butthead reference, if y'all don't know. <laughs> oh dear. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is serious. Another soldier believes that he drugged and raped him inside the armored personnel carrier in 1979. Wait. So these. These two soldiers were like, hey, you know what? Every time we sleep with Domner in the bunks, I wake up and my butthole hurts. <laughs> and they didn't kill him? <laughs> I know. Oh, yeah. They're soldiers. Shock, <laughs> right? You would think they would have done something. Oh, man. So because of his alcohol abuse, in March 1981, he was deemed unsuitable for military service, and he was discharged. I would think so. So yes. he received an honorable discharge. How? How? As his superiors did not believe that any problems Dahmer had in the army would be applicable to civilian life. Wow. Oh, my God. See? Here well, we there's go one bu- There you go. Bonehead yeah. decisions. Yep, yep. So there's one in the, like, free pass. Get out. Do what you want. Wow. Yep. There it is. There's number one. So... March 24, 1981, he was sent to Fort Jackson, South Carolina for debriefing, and he was provided with a one with a plane ticket to travel anywhere in the country. So he chose Florida because he didn't want to go back to where his dad was. Okay. He was trying to live on his own, and in Florida, he found employment at Delicatessen. I guess it was like a sandwich shop, and he was renting a room in a nearby motel. All right. But, of course, he spent his salary on alcohol, and he was evicted from the motel. <laughs> of course. Yes. So he spent his evenings on the beach and continued to work at the sandwich shop until phoning his father and asking him if he could return to Ohio in the same year. So he did. The dad agreed. He returned. After his return, he resided with the father and the stepmom. And he was doing chores to occupy his time while he was looking for work, you know, but he continued drinking heavily. So two weeks after the return, he was arrested. For drunk and disorderly conduct, for which, what do you think he got out of that? What were the consequences? Uh, a warning. Probation, maybe? So he was fined $60 and given a suspended 10-day jail sentence. <laughs> a warning. <laughs> <laughs> yep, a smack in the hand, as you guys call it. Uh, number Jesus two. Christ. There's number two. Jeez. So his dad was trying to make sure he weaned off of alcohol, but they couldn't do it. So in December 1981, they sent him to live with his grandma, who seemed the only one that he really showed affection for. So they thought maybe being with the grandma, you know, it's going to be a change and she might pursue him to leave the alcohol and find a job and live responsibly. And how old is he at this point? Oh, dear. At this point, this is 1981. He was born... What year did I tell you? 60. So he's 21 already. Yeah, he's 21. So he's 21. They're going to have a grandmother try to keep a 21-year-old in check. Okay. Good luck with that. Yeah. So, yeah, initially everything was good. His living with grandma was in harmony, you know? He accompanied her to church. He took chores willingly. He looked for work, and he abided most of her rules. But he did continue to drink and smoke. Mm. 
So wow. in 1982, he found employment as a phlebotomist at the Blood Plasma Center of in Milwaukee. Course. Of course. Yep. Right? He held the job for only 10 months before he got laid off. Of course. I thought you were going to say before <laughs> drinking too many vials of blood. <laughs> you know, that would not have been shocking. Oh, man. Jeez. <laughs> so he remained unemployed for how long do you guys think? He remained unemployed for a year. Yeah, maybe six months, six months, something like that. And no, he remained unemployed for two years. So he was living off of grandma's money, whatever she gave him. Wow. Wow. That's ridiculous, right? At this point, what? He's 22. He's 22. 22. And he's living off of grandma. Wow. Wow. So shortly before he lost his job, he was arrested for indecent exposure. On August 7, 1982, at Wisconsin State Fair Park, he was observed to expose himself to a crowd of 25 women and children. Now, for this incident, what do you think he got? Uh, He probably got maybe another slap on the wrist, and this time he's probably served like five days in jail. I I think he got a very stern, hey, don't do that again. Geez, it says he was convicted and fined fifty dollars plus court costs. But that's about Ooh. it. He actually didn't spend time in jail. Wow. So he's paid a hundred and ten dollars on two uh yeah. disorderly conducts that would, would get you thousands of dollars today and and at least months jail time, right? Yep. And a sex offender on, on top of it. Yep. Yep. Oh my gosh. Wow. So now we are in January 1985. So at this point, he is 25 25 years old. He was hired as a mixer at the Milwaukee Ambrosia Chocolate Factory, where he worked from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m., six nights a week. Okay. Okay. Shortly after he found that job, he had another incident. He was propositioned by another man while sitting reading in the West Dallas Public Library. A stranger threw a note to him, offering to perform, you know, a BJ on him. Palacio! Although he didn't respond to the proposition, surprisingly, the incident did stir up in his mind fantasies of control and dominance he had developed as a teenager. So he began to familiarize himself with the gay bars, gay bathhouses, and bookstores. And he's also known to have stolen a male mannequin from a store that he used for sexual stimulation until his grandma found his things and demanded that he discarded all of that. So he was the first one with a sex doll. Yes, probably. Wow. Although it was not a sex doll, it was a mannequin. That was a mannequin. Well, that mannequin. I don't know how that would get anybody turned on. Seriously? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know about that one. So by late 1985, he began to regularly frequent, frequent those bathhouses. He described these places to be relaxing for him. But during his sexual encounters, he became frustrated at his partners because they would move during the sexual act. So he wanted them to be still. Following the arrest, he stated, I train myself to view people as objects of pleasure instead of people. Wow. So for that reason, beginning in June 1986, he administered sleeping pills to his partners. He gave them liquor laced with sedatives and then raped them when they were unconscious. Wow, so this is this was Bill Cosby before Bill Cosby. Don't go there, man. <laughs> <laughs> so after approximately 
Did he offer him a pudding pop before? I was about to say, he made their pudding (laughs) pop. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Okay, this is sad, guys. Sorry, sorry, sorry. 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 We're immature. Yeah, Yeah, you guys are making me laugh, and I sound immature, too. I'm sorry. (laughs) After after approximately 12 of those instances, they finally revoked his membership. And he began to use a hotel room to continue the practice. Wow. So it took 12 rapes for them to kick him out. But (laughs) keep in mind, there was no police report. Oh, my goodness. And no police reports? He was just removed from the membership. They're all the oh, first no. eleven are free, but you do that twelfth one, you're you're canceled, buddy. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. Oh, so my. after his membership got revoked, he read in a report in a newspaper regarding an upcoming funeral of an eighteen-year-old male. Can you guys imagine what went through oh, his mind? Oh man, he was he, he so much pleasure was going through his mind. He's going to dig up the remains and do some things to it. What do you think, Todd? I'm I'm siding with Matt on that one. Yeah. Okay, you guys are right. That is the intention. He conceived the idea that he would steal the freshly interred corpse and take it home. So according to him, he attempted to dig up the coffin from the ground, but he found the soil was too hard, so he abandoned the plan. But he did try. Wow. Wow. That is so nasty. I I can see this dude performing necrophilia. Oh, dude. Yeah. So in August 1986... He was now arrested for another problem. He was masturbating in front of two 12-year-old boys as he stood close wow. to the Kinnikinnik River. Sorry, that's a long word. Kinnikinnik? <laughs> yeah, Kinnikinnik River. That's got to we'll go with that. The Indian names up there in Wisconsin. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll yes. go with that. So he admitted to the offense and was again charged with indecent exposure. Well, yeah. But he changed his story. He claimed that he merely had been urinating, unaware that there were witnesses. So what do you think the charge was I after swear, that? If he gets a third slap on the wrist. No, this will be his fourth. We, uh, it, it's going to be some problems. I think maybe community service, maybe two months in jail or something. I really feel like he's going to get a slap on the wrist, a fine, and that's it. So the charge was changed to disorderly conduct. Oh my God. On March 10, 1987, he was sentenced to one year of probation. With additional instructions, he was to undergo counseling. Oh, wow. What? <laughs> so now he needed help, medical wow. help. I've been in like, if I, if I were the cop, I'd be like, if you were shaking more than three times, you're masturbating. <laughs> That's not urinating. That, That's not urinating. It's too much, right? That's way too much. Jesus. So now he's in his late 20s and early 30s, and that's the part I'm going to get into. So the title is Ambassador Hotel, because on November 20, 1987, he was residing with his grandmother, and he encountered a 25-year-old man from Ontonagon, Michigan, Stephen Tuomi, which is one of the ones that he's been for, at a bar. And he persuaded him to return to the Ambassador Hotel in Milwaukee with him. He rented a room for the evening, and according to him, he had no intention of murdering him, but he intended to drug and rape him as he lay unconscious, like he did with the other guys. Okay. So the following morning, however, he woke up to find Tommy lying beneath him on the bed, his chest crushed in, and black and blue with bruises. What? Wow. 
Wow. Blood was also seeping from the corner of his mouth and Dahmer's fist and one forearm were extensively bruised. So Dahmer stated that he had no memory of having killed him and later informed investigators that he could not believe this happened. Wow. What? So, so to dispose of his body. Oh, you want to say something? Oh, yeah. I was just going to say, so, so this is one that he just, he had no clue. Yeah, it was, he had gotten so drunk that he had no idea what really had happened. He didn't realize the guy was dead until he woke up and found how beat he had made him. Ooh, okay. Wow. So to dispose the body, he purchased a large suitcase and he transported the body back to the grandma's house. Oh, One week later, he severed the head, arms, and legs from the torso. Then he filleted the bones from the body before cutting the flesh into pieces small enough to handle. He then placed the flesh inside plastic garbage bags. He wrapped up the bones inside a sheet and pounded them into splinters with a sledgehammer. The entire dismemberment process took him approximately two hours and he disposed of all the remains, excluding the severed head, in the trash. Jesus. So for a total of two weeks following the murder, he retained the victim's head wrapped in a blanket. After two weeks, he boiled the head in a mixture of Soylex and bleach in an effort to retain the skull. And then he used it as stimulus for masturbation. Of course. Wow. Eventually the skull was rendered too brittle by this bleaching process. So Dahmer pulverized the head and disposed of it. Jeez. (laughs) Yeah. So as you can see, I'm going to leave it here with this one because of time, but this guy is a pretty sick dude. And this is only the beginning. Jesus. Yeah. So right now he's had two murders and countless rapes. And then the additional, uh, it's kind of weird though, knowing this part of the story now that starting out from the age of when he first had his first attack and murder, he went quite some time without doing another one. Um, yeah, but that, that, that's really awkward, but the, the rapes and then the indecent exposures. Yikes. Man. Yes. So what do you guys think of this guy so far? This guy is a monster. Yeah, he's definitely evil. Definitely evil. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, Jesus. I, I think You're right. I mean, it's it's really disturbing the fact that even on his first kill, all of the things he did is like, whoa. That happens yeah. with years of doing it. Yeah, not your first. But your look, first and you really messed up in the head. Yeah, because look, Dexter's not real obviously but if you've seen the first season of dexter he didn't just dive into everything and doing it all professional (laughs) i mean uh he had some mistakes and the way you described how he just like nonchalantly went and he there had to be massive cleanup with a blood flow everywhere in that house um yeah jeez dude i don't know you mentioned something you mentioned something key i don't know if you knew it already but that is a show that he was obsessed with that is what he was watching Oh, well, okay. Never mind then. So he was obsessed with Dexter. Wow. Yikes. Wow. Interesting story so far. Very interesting. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't, I can't believe you haven't heard of this one, Matt, because I know the the later stuff I know to a, to a T, but all this early stuff, I didn't really research um, this part of it. So a lot of what she's thrown at us so far, I'm like, what? You know, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, she wouldn't tell me anything, and I, and I, I was forbidden to look him up e- either. So, yeah. so, so I, 
I'm going in blind. You guys are still forbidden because we must continue this on another episode. It's a pretty long story. I don't know how many episodes we're going to take. Hey, that's fine. This, oh. this guy deserves his own series. That's for sure. Man. He don't deserve Jack. But... Well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, the story does. The story does anyway. But, uh, yes. Good, good job. Good job. Yes, yes. So, uh, that's going to be our show for tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Once again, thank you for listening to us and supporting us from wherever you're listening to. We really appreciate it. Uh, this is the Grindy True Crime Podcast. Once again, you can find us on our uh, on our uh, Instagram page, Facebook Facebook page, Grinding True Crime Podcast, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Podbean. Just look us up under Grinding True Crime Podcast. So with one of your hosts, Maddie Matt, we're signing off with our narrators today. Gabby Gabby. And the other host of the show. Todd Fox. And we are signing out, y'all. Toodles. Peace. <laughs>